Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome, welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Culture Climate San Diego, where we discuss the latest in news, politics, arts, and entertainment taking place right here in America's finest city. I am your host, Lars Renteria. With me as usual, my beautiful staff, producer Joshua Falcon, research assistant Harvey Lepis. Gentlemen, Josh, Harvey, how we doing? How you guys been? You guys good? Everybody happy? Harvey, Harvey, you don't look happy. Harv looks a little mad. Harv probably feels like most of us feel right now. Am I the only one, me and Harv here, are you guys as pent up and emotional as I am? It's It's been a super emotional couple of weeks since our last episode. Has it not been? There's obviously a lot going on. People have been hitting me up uh, over the last week asking, what's what's up with the next episode? What's What are we going to talk about? And, uh, you know, I'll throw it out there right now. What do you think we're going to talk about? There's really only one topic. That's on everyone's minds right now. And so we're going to cover it and we're going to talk about it because it's a, it's a topic that's very near and dear to our hearts and definitely affects our great city of San Diego. So let's get right into it. Josh, if you would, please, let's take it straight to the news. All right. Thank you, sir. Now, our top story tonight, the one on everyone's mind, immigration. What is going on? in this country in regards to immigration. Here's what we're going to do. Obviously, you know, it's my goal on this show to uh, hopefully educate a little bit, hopefully entertain. So in order to cover this immigration topic, I want to go over a few things as to uh, what has transpired, because let's face it, not all of you out there, you might know there's drama afoot, but not all of you out there are are hip to what's actually happening. Maybe not everybody has been watching the news as much as I have or listening to the radio. And let's face it, maybe you just hear a bunch of nasty things or see it on social media and you don't know all the details. So we're going to kind of rewind this, go over some of the details and talk more importantly, again, how it affects us here at home here in San Diego. Okay. So to get started, what happened with this whole immigration thing? Were there new laws? Were there old laws? Who changed what and and where are we going with this? All right, so let's get started. What happened first and foremost is just a couple months ago, on April 6th, 2018, the Attorney General, the U.S. Attorney General, his name is Jeff Sessions, announced that the Trump administration will now be adhering to what he called a zero-tolerance policy in regards to immigration. He made it very clear that this administration feels that anyone who crosses into the country illegally is a criminal and they will be prosecuted as a criminal. 
And as a result of being prosecuted as a criminal, you will have your children separated from you once you are detained and prosecuted criminally. So the purpose of this, why people might ask, why, why go through all this? What's the big difference? The purpose of this is they, again, made it very clear that this zero tolerance policy and even specifically the act of separating families was intended to uh, deter more immigrants from coming to the U.S. It was a way, it is a way, to scare people. People come into this country, we're going to threaten them by saying, we will throw your ass in jail and we will take your kids. That was the point. They said it. Again, you don't have to take my word for it. Please go look it up. It's all over the internet. You can find audio recordings of the Attorney General Jeff Sessions saying that, saying just as much, okay? So take a look. Now, that was when it started. So there were already laws in place, which we'll get into right now. And really, all they did is say, we're now going to adhere to this zero-tolerance policy. Now, this whole concept of a zero-tolerance policy, although Jeff Sessions said it and was highly involved in the creation of it, this technically, right now, the people are attributing this zero-tolerance policy to two primary individuals. One is White House, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who's a whole other bag that you can get into, and the, the main guy who I will talk about a little bit, Senior Policy Advisor Stephen Miller. Now, somebody pointed out, I, I forget what show it was, but somebody pointed out on, on TV that this guy Stephen Miller, aside from just looking kind of creepy, swear to God, he looks like Polly Shore with a shaved head. The guy's like younger than me. He's like a couple years younger than me. He always has this look of death on his face, and he just looks like an ugly, sad Polly Shore. And it's 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 troubling when you look at him. But anyway, so this guy, Stephen Miller, there's a lot of reports on this guy. It's hard to tell what's true nowadays, right? But he looks and sounds kind of creepy. When you start looking up information on him, there's a lot of stories about his past and that that would very much lead you to believe that this guy was definitely involved with treating immigrants in this way. Little background on Stephen Miller. Okay, first and foremost, son of immigrants himself, like most of us, right? His family were, was actually, they're, they're Jewish immigrants from Belarus. I believe it was his mother's side of the family, not that many generations removed. Jewish immigrants from Belarus. Stephen Miller, however, he grew up in California. He's a West Coast dude. He grew up right down up the street, up the five, went to Santa Monica High School. Okay, there's all kinds of stories. And again, you never know who to believe, but there's stories that this dude, goofy kid, used to get picked on, used to get bullied. And at some point in his high school career, he and I believe he said this, that he became a conservative after reading a book called Guns, Crime and Freedom. Sounds sounds like a great book. Guns, Crime and Freedom. I, I know some people would love to read that, by the way. This book, written by a gentleman you might have heard of named Wayne LaPierre. Now, Wayne LaPierre is another piece of work. He's actually the head of the NRA. Again, Google away. Take a look at Wayne and all the fantastic garbage that has come out of his mouth. Anyway, so he read this book, Guns, Crime, and Freedom, decides he believes in that mentality. That's, that's his way of life. He becomes a conservative. Now, there are stories of Stephen Miller in high school. 
supposedly he was that kid who used to tell uh, Latino students to speak English if he was in a room where they were speaking Spanish. I don't know if he was the type of kid who got his ass kicked as a result. I wouldn't be surprised. In college, there's supposedly documentation that Stephen Miller had accused Maya Angelou of racial paranoia is how he worded it. In addition, he was a huge, uh, 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 or I should say he was really against, apparently, uh, the, 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 the local Mecha organization, for those of you who know Mecha. He called Mecha, he said that they were, quote, a radical national Hispanic group that believes in racial superiority. So, obviously, again, do do we know all of this is is the gospel truth? I don't. I, I, I do the research as much as I can. I try to find out as much as people as I can. All I know is that there's a lot of stories out there about this guy being kind of this very grim, sad, somewhat hateful person. Look at it. Listen to him. Listen to his interviews. And, and you be the judge. You go decide what you think of Stephen Miller. So anyway, so that's this guy. So he and John Kelly, they they formulate the zero tolerance policy. They pass it on to a, a U.S. Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. And Jeff Sessions implements it, okay? Now, from the moment they implemented the zero tolerance policy on April 6th, in a short five-week span, they, they separated and detained over 3,200 children from their parents. You heard that correct, in case you're misunderstanding that number. 3,200, and I want to say it's like 270, children detained in a five-week span. Those detention centers that they're in, all over the place, several in Texas, several here in San Diego. And we'll get into where they are at and what that means for you. But there are children right now being detained away from their parents, immigrant children, here in our city. Now, to start kind of, I, I, I you know, I, I know, and a couple people have already told me, hey, you know, your show, you're not, you're, you know, you're a little biased. Uh, as, I, as I've said before, I, I am not, I'm not hiding it. I definitely, I'm not trying to hide the way I feel on things, but I do want to at least speak to the opposition a little bit. Several people had pointed out, well, you know, previous administrations also detained immigrants like this. And also, uh, you know, it locked people up into this net. That. That's that's absolutely true. There's no denying that. Previous administrations did detain immigrants, illegal immigrants, we'll call them. Okay, uh, even though I, I'm not a fan of of that word, and we'll get into why. But okay, what? But here's what it was. So most people, and and the White House, uh, Trump in particular, obviously has been since this policy was enacted. They've been blaming the laws on the Democrats, saying that. They are merely adhering to the laws that are on the books, and it's laws created by Democrats, and that's why they're forced to separate these families, which has already been proven by everybody in the world. Absolutely not true. Now, what's happened, what what they're referring to, really, uh, was in 1996, all right, there was a couple acts that were passed, the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigration Responsibility Act. All right, now, both of these happened in the Clinton administration. And it did kind of change the definition of, quote unquote, illegal immigration, and it made it a crime. Not the first time ever, but made it a crime, made illegal immigration a crime. So that's why, you know, it's so easy for Trump and party uh, to to blame this situation on the Democrats. Now, that although that is true that that happened, 
even when they did make it a crime, historically, illegal immigration has been treated and charged as a misdemeanor. A misdemeanor. And as a result, that misdemeanor really just led to a civil uh, deportation proceeding, not criminal charges, not a criminal proceeding. And most importantly, when this went down, the families were kept together in residential centers, okay? So even though the Democrats did do something, they did create laws that made, uh, we'll, we'll call it made immigration more illegal or at least changed the definition slightly, the way those laws were enforced and what they, what they were doing in response to that was totally different. It has already been kind of explained to high heaven, in, cl- in case there's any doubt, that the zero tolerance policy of arresting, charging immigrants criminally and separating them from their families was something solely done by the Trump administration. Okay, so now it should be pointed out that although we're talking about, quote unquote, illegal immigrants, we have to give the distinction here, right? There is a difference between a, a, an illegal immigrant, someone who just wants to come to America, hops the fence, jumps in and comes and starts, you know, looking for work or looking for a place to live versus someone who is seeking political asylum. Now, it just so happens that by, again, most of the, the reports, most of the statistics right now are indicating that the majority of these families that are being arrested at the border that are being detained and having children separated, most of them are actually here seeking political asylum from countries like El Salvador, from Guatemala, from Honduras. So Mexicans really aren't even aren't even in the picture. I mean, they're definitely in the picture. They're part of the conversation because most people attribute illegal immigration to Mexicans. But the fact of the matter is, is that most of these people right now who are being split up and put in these detention centers, they're seeking political asylum. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, bottom line, they come from countries that for a myriad of reasons have become too dangerous for them to live in, whether it be uh, civil unrest, meaning like, you know, uh, battles between the, the people and the and the government itself whether it be abuse, physical abuse within their relationships, their marriages, their families, or which in lots of these cases, a threat of violence uh, and, and murder from the drug lords down there, the narcos who live down there in, in those uh, Central American countries. So because of all of these, some of these people are coming where they get caught up, their kids have no, you know, where to go other than perhaps that, you know, they can't go to school, they, they can't get good jobs, the only jobs available, or they get caught up, mixed up in gangs, end up working for drug lords, end up being owed a debt uh, or in debt to these drug lords. They just have to flee the country, otherwise their families will get murdered. There are uh, uh, literally thousands of stories like this of these people fleeing these countries uh, for fear of their life. They come here. And there's a certain way they're supposed to go about it, right? They come to the U.S. They're supposed to show up at the border, declare themselves for as, as, as asylum seekers. Now, when they do that, they're supposed to be given a, a, a different kind of treatment. Now, what we're finding is that uh, there's, you know, they're, they're claiming that there's such a high number of them right now that these people who are seeking political asylum, the ICE agents, the guys, the Border Patrol guys, are essentially telling them uh, we're full right now. Can't take you. There's no room either in like 
this particular holding facility. There's no room at this location. So you have these families showing up and the ICE agents are telling them, sorry, no room, wait. And they'll wait once or twice. They'll, they'll wait a day or two. They'll try again. And they keep trying and trying and trying. Now, after that, uh, there's there's too many different reports. Some people are claiming that after getting denied several times, the family's like, out of hell with it. Let's just go try and cross. Other people are saying that they're being granted asylum, that they're saying, okay, fine, come with us, leading them down some, you know, some hallway. And then eventually when they get to a detaining center, they start splitting up families and saying, no, you go over here, you go over here and automatically treating them like an illegal immigrants when they're actually seeking asylum. So this is a big deal. Okay, because it's a huge, huge distinction. Now, again, a lot of the the opponents will tell you that that asylum is uh, being uh, abused, that these people uh, are just like they learn the word. They tell them, hey, just go tell them this at the border and they have to let you in. And yet right now, again, it depends on who you ask. Do your research and you be the judge. There are some people who are saying that the numbers of asylum seekers is actually a uh, number of asylum seekers is going down or going up, but that the number of fraud cases that they can tell is actually going down. It, it's again, it depends on who you ask and really someone's stance on this. Unfortunately, I wish I wish above all else that we could actually agree on what a fact is these days. I wish we can read reports and look at numbers and say, here you go. But that's not the world we live in, is it? Unfortunately, you listen to a lot of guys like me giving you their opinion on something. So again, I encourage you, look it up, look at some of the statistics, and you be the judge. Now, I will point out, totally side topic here, the highest number of asylum seekers annually to the U.S. are from anybody, somebody, Josh Harv. You got it, Harv. China. You heard that right. The highest number of asylum seekers to the U.S. every year come from China. And yet I don't see ICE raiding the Panda Express. Do you? I mean, well, in all fairness, they probably are raiding Panda Express because every time I go in there, there's, there's mainly just all Mexican dudes cooking. But that aside, that aside, you get where I'm going with that, okay? It just shows you that no one talks about that. We're focused on on Latinos, we're focused on Latin Americans coming here, and and there's this un, unreasonable fear that the system is being abused, uh, or ir- irrational fear, I should say, that the system is being abused, and yet there there's clearly no definitive proof, one way or the other, that people are abusing the asylum process. Is it possible? Do I think it might be happening? Yeah, I'm sure there are some people. I'm not doubting that. I'm sure there are some people abusing the asylum process. Is it rampant? Is it changing everything? I No, I don't believe so. But again, you be the judge. Now, so we have all these people, right? Thousands of families coming in here. They're being separated. They're being locked up. And over the couple, course of a few weeks, that noise started getting a little louder, right? People started noticing. People started speaking up as this number grew. And just think, like I said, 3,200 people, 3,200 kids in five weeks. It doesn't take very long for that to add up. Now, the, the, these, these you know people protesting are, are causing a ruckus. And as a result, the White House eventually had to respond. Their response, again, uh, from, from both Trump, Jeff Sessions, their, their, their press secretary, everyone is pretty much the same. Uh, first and foremost, one that this is all the Democrats' fault. They gave us the laws. Two, there's nothing the president can do about it. 
only Congress created these laws and only Congress can change the laws was the story that they were giving. Now, when people started to really get mad and, and really start complaining about cruelty, because you notice people started really like having a problem with this, the, the general population of the U.S. started having a problem with this. So I'm going to play you something. This was U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. This was his response uh, to people complaining or worried about uh, kids being separated from their families. Listen up. I thought I'd take a little bit of digression here to uh, discuss some concerns raised by our church friends about separation of families. Many of the criticisms raised in recent days are not fair, not logical, and some are contrary to plain law. First, illegal entry into the United States is a crime. It should be, it must be, if you're going to have a legal system and have any limits whatsoever. Persons who violate the law of our nation are subject to prosecution. If you violate the law, you subject yourself to prosecution. And I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained, ordained the government for his purposes. You heard that correctly, folks. U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, when asked why separate children of immigrant asylum seekers from their parents quotes Romans 13 how moving how moving it's an interesting choice it's an interesting uh, uh, choice to cite Romans 13 um, you know it's been cited before just so happens that there's lots of records of Romans 13 uh, being cited by oh you know um, Nazi sympathizers uh, apartheid enforcers, slave owners, even most recently, uh, modern Christians uh, have have found ways to apply it to both abortion and and same sex marriage. Now, uh, again, it's it's ironic to me because it, you know it it would seem that there is uh, quite a bit of civil disobedience in the Bible. But you know what? I'm I'm no expert in theology. Uh, that would be a whole other show, obviously, and I'm. I'm not here to judge his beliefs or yours or anything like that. If that's if you hear that and you agree with that, that that's how uh, the the Bible should be interpreted and applied. The the actual application of Bible verse in a situation like this. Well, then you know what? One, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. Uh, and two, I, I I I hope I hope whatever God you believe in uh, believes in you just as much. Now, okay, so that that quote, however, uh, it did not go over well with most of the countries. Go figure. What a, what a surprise! Locking up kids and then quoting Romans thirteen that doesn't fly with most people, including uh, most Christian organizations. People denounced him using that particular verse and quoting the Bible as a means to justify these actions. People didn't dig it. All right. So I'm playing another clip. This is it, it started escalating from there. Right. So people started asking press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who, again, if you don't know her, look it up. This this woman has attitude. You'll hear it right here on the on the on the clip. Uh, she doesn't have a good job. She's got about the worst job one could even imagine. Uh, I, I'd rather be sucking out grease traps than, than having this lady's job. But needless to say, somebody brought it up. 
you know, to to Sarah Huckabee Sanders that the attorney general referenced the Bible as a justification to doing this and wanted and wanted her to clarify. Now, she wasn't there. She hadn't heard his his verse, but she did her best to try to get into it uh, and at least defend his actions or what he may have said a little bit. And then, of course, the media who's in the room. They start barking and kind of get right into it with her, and you can hear her snap right back. So listen to this. This is them asking her opinion of what the attorney general said. Second question, completely unrelated, on these uh, children who are being separated from their families as they come across the border. Uh, The attorney general earlier today said that uh, somehow there's a justification for this in the Bible. Uh, Where does it say in the Bible that it's moral? Uh, to take children away from their mothers? Uh, I'm not aware of the Attorney General's comments or uh, what he would be referencing. Uh, I can say that uh, it is very biblical to enforce the law. Uh, that is actually repeated a number of times throughout the Bible. Well, However, Bible this. Uh, hold on, Jim, if you'll let me finish. Uh, again, I'm not going to comment on the attorney's specific comments that I haven't you seen. It's not what I said, and I, I know it's hard for you to understand. Um, even short sentences, I guess, but and please don't take my words out of context. But the separation of illegal fam- alien families is the product of the same legal loopholes that Democrats refuse to close. And these laws are the same that have been on the books for over a decade. And the president is simply enforcing them. Policy to take children away from their parents. Uh, can it's you imagine a moral the policy that to these follow and enforce the law. When they come across the border, Jim, they're with their parents, and then suddenly they're pulled away from their parents. Why is the government doing this? Because it's the law, and that's what the law states. And the law. You're right, it doesn't have to be the law. And the president has actually called on Democrats in Congress to fix those loopholes. The Democrats have failed to come to the table, failed to help this president close these loopholes and fix this problem. We don't want this to be a problem. The president has tried to address it a number of occasions. We've laid out a proposal, and Democrats simply refuse to do their job and fix the problem. Paula, go ahead. Sorry, Jim, I've given you enough. Two questions. Um, First of all, there is no law that requires families be separated at the border. This was the administration's choice to move from civil matters and immigration onto criminal, to criminally prosecute people who come across the border illegally and therefore have to separate families. So why did the administration find that this was necessary? And if it continues to not have much of a deterrent effect, will you continue this policy? Again, the laws are the ones that have been on the books for over a decade, and the president is enforcing them. We would like to fix the broken system that our immigration uh, and fix our immigration problem. However, until Democrats are willing to actually fix this problem, uh, it's going to continue. But we would like to see it fixed. Jill. Take responsibility for its policy change from civil, handling them as civil matters to criminal prosecution. It's not a policy change to enforce Absolutely. the law. That's been but that's been this administration's policy since the no, day we got here. In April, that he was going to make some handling it as a civil It has been our administration's policy. The administration said it was a deterrent. They're separating families to deter people from coming here illegally. Our administration has had the same position since we started uh, on day one that we were going to enforce the law. I know it was something that wasn't high on the priority list in the previous administration, but it is on ours. We're a country of law and order, and we're enforcing the law and protecting our borders. We would like to fix these loopholes, and if Democrats want to get serious about it instead of playing political games, they're welcome to come here and sit down with the president and actually do something about it. Jill. Don't you have any empathy? Jill, go ahead. Come on, Sarah. You're a parent. Don't you have any empathy? for what these people are going through. They have less than you do. Guys, settle down.
serious. I'm trying to be serious, but I'm not going to have you yell out a term. Jill, please call. It's a law, and and they have these people have nothing. Hey, Brian, I know you want to get some more TV time, but that's not what this is about. I want to recognize you. Go ahead, Jill. Honestly, answer the question. It's a serious question. These people have nothing. They come to the border with nothing, and you throw children in cages. You're a parent. You're a parent of young children. Don't you have any empathy for what they go through? Jill, go ahead. Man, I know that was uh, that was probably longer clip than than you all wanted to hear, but I wanted to make sure you know, that yeah that you you guys heard that whole exchange because I think it's uh, I think it's important and you know what I've listened to that thing probably like ten times now and I I still just I can't stop from like nodding my head and you know and and, and, and just throwing up a little in my mouth every time. But so as you could see, uh, a highly uh, uh, f- contentious issue that the the press is getting worked up about. People are getting worked up about. One side is just constantly accusing the other side of playing politics, and obviously the battle that we already know between the administration and the media, and that they're just trying to you know fire everybody up. Uh, so th- that's how things were going. That's how things went for for probably about a week. Uh, people you know complaining, people voicing their frustrations. The White House firing back with everything that they can't do and why exactly we were in the situation that, that we found ourselves in. And then, uh, then something, you know, something big happened that, that kind of, uh, uh, tipped the scales. Okay. And and really, I, it's funny now because I wonder, I wonder if history is going to remember, uh, this, this particular clip, but it really shows the power, the power of, of audio. And I hope that, you know, I'm doing a podcast. So hopefully, uh, I, most people appreciate the power of what they hear, but sometimes, you know, you can hear a story, you can hear a story and it, and it, you, you feel a certain way about it. You could see a picture and it, and it makes you feel a certain way, but the moment you hear something, there's, there's just a, there's a power to that. There's no denying it. What is it that the, that the world all of a sudden heard that made everyone feel even more passionately about this? Josh hit him. And there you have it. Turns out that the sound of crying immigrant children being separated from their parents uh, invokes a somewhat powerful emotion that people aren't comfortable with. Oh, and for those uh, of you, for the non-Spanish-speaking members of our audience, uh, the male voice you heard uh, was apparently a ICE or Border Patrol agent um, kind of teasing these children, saying, uh, well, we have a nice orchestra going here. All we're missing is a conductor. Um, You know, cool shit like that that you want to say to a crying baby as you're uh, taking it away from its mother. So, um you know, again, I, I'm curious to see where that clip goes down in, in in you know if it ends up being a part of 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 American history, really, because it's it, it really it, I think it served as the 
as the catalyst. It, 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 something about that clip obviously was so powerful that you might've already heard it on social media. It just, it blew up. But from that point on, everything kind of lit fire. And I think that's when people really started getting heated and really started applying pressure on the administration to do something about it. You mix that and combine it with the photos that now started to come out. Um, I'm sure you've all seen them by now. Pictures of large cages uh, with kids uh, in there under heat blankets, those aluminum things. Got them wrapped up like they're some sort of goddamn Pop-Tart and a metal sheet laying on the ground. It's it, it, Really, it's it's horrible. That combined with the sound, it's, it's, a, it's a moving combination. Now, again... There are uh, there are some, you know, people have been posting a lot. And, and one of the main reasons I hate social media so much, because there there have been people circulating photos that are just not accurate, that aren't true. Guess what? In the history of the United States, particularly in, in the in the world in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of immigrant crises across the globe. So finding pictures of crying children who look uh, uh, like they're from Central America or from Mexico, it's not that hard to find. People were po- posting pictures of kids from Syria that were crying and in cages and things like that and attributing it to our immigration uh, crisis now. So you have to be careful with what you see. Moral of the story, uh, we know it's happening. So do I care that one particular photo was not accurate? Not really. I, I really don't. There's one, uh, the main one that's going on, there was one picture in particular uh, that went viral. It made the cover of Time Magazine. The Time Magazine photoshopped it with a picture of Trump. It's a little girl in like a, a red sweater and she's looking up at her mother, uh, you know, an ICE agent, and she's crying. And she just obviously, she's got to be like maybe two years old. And she's she's just crying, uh, sobbing, looking up at her mother. Uh, so it turns out that that picture went viral. And it turns out that that little girl, she wasn't even separated from her parents. So now people are, you know, that little girl wasn't even separated. The father said they they never took him or her away. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's one. You know what? We have 2,300 other ones that we know for a fact were taken. So do I care? I'm glad that that little girl was not taken away. But does that one picture, does that one little girl signify anything? No, it's a representation of the problem at hand. It's happening. So let's deal with it now. So obviously the power of children crying, it's a, it's a moving thing. I know it moves me usually straight to the liquor cabinet when I hear babies cry, but all jokes aside, it's, it's a powerful emotion, right? So, uh, soon after all this went down, now we started getting politicians coming to visit these shelters. Now in, in Texas, it's, it's important to note that not all of these shelters are uh, identical, okay? Um, we have a couple here in San Diego. We have one uh, in El Cajon uh, that was visited. We had some, you know, uh, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi came down to San Diego, met with Congressman uh, Juan Vargas, my congressman, as a matter of fact, Juan Vargas. They did a tour of this facility in El Cajon. Now, this facility in El Cajon is actually run by a nonprofit, and it is kind of more of a... Uh, I don't I don't even know what you would call it, but it's it's a facility designed to house uh, children like this. So it's almost like, I don't know, kind of like a, a, a really crappy school with, you know, fences and 
you know, this and that stuff. There's rooms and different things, but you know, yeah, there's, there's linoleum floors and there's pictures of superheroes on the wall and all of that, but still they can't leave. It's still very much like, you know, like being in, 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 in a detention center. Now the one in Otai, we have one in Otai Mesa that just actually on Thursday, uh, our Senator, uh, California Senator Kamala Harris, uh, came down and visited and, you know, she had a clip. I won't play that one for you, but she says, you know what? I was been an attorney for years and I know what prisons look like. That's a straight up prison. So not all of these centers are equal. Okay. There, there's some of them are, are more kind of, uh, you know, uh, facilities built to house families and children. Others are straight up being erected for this purpose. Now in Texas, they were running out of space in their facilities. So as a result, they took an old abandoned Walmart and put cages in it and let these kids go in cages. This looks horrible. I mean, this this is literally what you would think. An empty Walmart with fences inside and kids inside the cages. That's what it looks like. That's what it is because they're just running out of room. So now after after the crying kids, you know, tape came out after the photos, the senators, uh, the congressmen, everybody visiting these locations, everybody, the world is now on fire. The country's on fire, speaking up against this Democrat, Republican, with very, really only very few people arguing that this is okay. And then after weeks, after weeks of the White House and the president saying that it was not possible, that he could not do anything, that his hands were tied, he did something. What did he do? He signed an executive order. This executive order states that families that that families will no longer be separated. What does an executive order mean per se? Like, what does it do legally? Uh, honestly, doesn't really do a damn thing. It doesn't do it really. It's not much. Think of it like a think of it like an autographed tweet. That's what an executive order is coming from Donald Trump. It's that he says, hey, "Yeah, I don't think you should do this anymore," and then he signs it, and that's it. This executive order really does nothing. It doesn't, it, 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 all it states is that, that, that families, that children will not be separated from their parents now, but it doesn't say anything about the 2,300 kids that are currently already in custody and already separated from their parents. And it, and it's still really vague as far as if, and when they can be separated. So there's a chance they still might be separated because in the end, it's just, it was just a bandaid. It was just a, a way to put something up and say, look, I did something about this when in actuality it does virtually nothing. Okay. So that's very important now. So these kids are still behind, you know, behind uh, bars, so to speak. And it's important to note as you would expect, and I hate to say this, I, I hate to say it out loud because it, it hurts coming out of my mouth, but the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, is already reporting cases of abuse of these children. Not only violent abuse of these immigrant children, but you guessed it, sexual abuse of these immigrant children. There's already reports of that. How much of it is going on? Who, when, what, where? I don't know. Look it up. Do you believe it? I do. You, you think it's fake? I don't know. Look it up. The point is, there. If if the ACLU, who by all accounts is a credible organization, is saying that there are some reports, I don't care if it's one. I don't care if it's one report. You're talking about these immigrant children who are most likely asylum seekers coming, being stripped of their family, locked into cages, and now someone might be. Oh man, I need a hug. Harv, Josh, somebody, please, somebody come here and, and give me a hug. 
Now, as a result of all this, the ACLU has already filed a lawsuit against the Trump administration. Uh, they're suing them for the conditions that the kids are being held in. However, unfortunately, there still is no plan. There's no plan as to what's going to happen. There's no plan as to how we're going to move forward and what's going to change in all of this. There's there's no there's no there there. Now, something else big happened this week. There are there were two were two uh, still are technically two immigration bills that were going to be voted on this week. They were supposed to be voted on, both being proposed by the Republicans. Now, they say both of these immigration bills, they they kept saying that one was bad and the second was worse. One was extremely conservative and the second one was even more conservative. Ultimately, what the president has been saying is that he wants to essentially use this this moment, right? Use these families, use these children saying, if you want to end this, this policy, this horrible policy, then have Congress vote on a new immigration plan. This new immigration plan, per the president, must include billions of dollars to build his goddamn giant wall that nobody asked for and nobody wants. This stupid fictional wall that he that he just conjured up that everyone agrees is a waste of time. He wants it so that in order to pass new legislation to fix the problem of, of detaining these children, you have to pass a new law, a new immigration law that will give him his money to build his giant wall, amongst other things. It's holding them hostage. It's playing politics at its worst. It's saying that you, if you want me to let go of these children and fix it, then give me what I want so we can, uh, so we can continue on. I, I think we're all lost for words at this point, that this is actually happening. There's, there's not a lot to say here. Now it's funny because I said when I when I said there were two bills on the floor, just as of as of uh, I want to say it was either Thursday or, or Friday Thursday night or Friday morning, the president tr- tweets again his famous famous tweets right, he tweets out Republicans quote and this is a quote this is a, a, my first time quoting President Trump via Twitter. President says quote Republicans should stop wasting their time on immigration until after we elect more senators and congressmen women in November. Dems are just playing games, have no intention of doing anything to solve this decades-old problem. We can pass great legislation after the red wave. End quote. So, in a single afternoon, in one, in one damn tweet... See, the Republicans can't really pass these immigration bills. They were already they were already going to struggle to pass them. Not, they, no one believed that either one of these bills was going to pass. But it, you you still need the president's support on these initiatives. He just killed it single-handedly via Twitter of all things. Kills both of these initiatives. Now it's pretty much they're going to go through some arbitrary trying to get it votes and trying to still bring it up, but it's it's pretty much dead. We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know who knows nowadays. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But right now, the guy killed it. Okay, the guy killed it, just by saying that. And he and he spelled it out with his characters with his care within his character limit. He spelled it out. Let's wait until after November so we can hopefully vote in more Republican congressmen who will give me the immigration reform that I want and my big stupid wall. That's what's happening. That's where we're at now. Gosh, you know, I've been going on a lot and, and I, 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 I honestly, I, I want to 
touch on the the opposition again. I want to touch on 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 for those of you, and again, I, I would sincerely doubt that there's any of you out there listening to me right now who feel that the whole locking up children thing is okay. But you might run into people, no friends, have friends, have family members who are like, yeah, that's that's not that big of a deal. And here's some of the arguments that I've heard so far. One, I mean, I've heard ridiculous stuff, right? There was a Fox News anchor who said that the children in the cages were child actors, saying, telling the president, don't fall for it. Those, I have a feeling those are children actors, just like the same people who said the thing about the school shootings, that they were crisis actors. Give me a break. One one Fox News anchor uh, likened these these uh, uh, facilities to summer camps. She said that these 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 detention centers were more like summer camps and that the liberal media is hyping it up. The my favorite thus far, though, I've had a couple people on social media. I've seen a couple people post this a picture of a of a of a white person in jail. And it said something was a meme. It said something along the lines of I am an American criminal. I was put in jail and my kids were taken from me. But you don't hear the libs complaining about that. And I, I've heard variations of that. People talking about, well, criminals in this country get their kids taken away from them all the time and nobody complains. Um, yeah, I I would like to see some information on that. I would, one, uh, I would really like to see some numbers on how many people are convicted of a misdemeanor and have their children taken away from them. Please, somebody show me the 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 thousands of times that that's happened. I'm sure it's close to 2300 in 5 weeks. I'm I'm sure it's really close to that. And in the end, we're we're talking about the majority of which are seeking asylum from countries to try to save their children's lives. I think there's a little bit of a difference there, wouldn't you say? Okay? Now, uh, and, and the, the most recent one I saw, uh, was somebody else pointed out that it's, it's the, we should be blaming the governments that of the countries that these people are coming here from blame those governments. They've created such a horrible environment that these immigrants are now leaving those countries and coming here and we should blame them. You know, there's, there's an old quote, uh, that, gosh, I, I and I, I think that said it was Dostoevsky or, or someone, and, and there was a couple variations of it that uh, uh, the the civility of a of a nation can be based or can be determined by how it treats its criminals. And I'm totally paraphrasing there, and I probably jacked it up, but you get the gist, okay? How we treat those who need help. Am I going to sit here? Yeah, I would love to blame the 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 president of Guatemala and for, for letting this happen. But you know what? In the end, we, if, if someone's leaving there, things are bad all over. If someone's leaving these horrible countries and they need help. Okay. Uh, it, it, is it not our, 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 our duty, our obligation to help as many people as we can. Now that, that in and of itself controversial topic, right? Because in the in the end, the the main crux of the matter here is people arguing that immig- that immigration, that illegal immigration, is bad for the United States. That oh my god, I won't even try to do a, a podcast episode on that question because it's super complicated. And I would encourage all of you to research that research that question. What is the economic effects 
of immigration, of illegal immigration in the U.S., you will see so many different arguments on both sides. People saying, oh, yeah, well, we're paying. They're, you know, taking jobs and and taking up benefits and health care benefits and blah, blah, blah. And it's draining the U.S. economy. You then have other people saying that, you know what, these people actually are generating tax dollars. And then it's not like they come here and just sit around and don't do anything but eat. They come here to work. They come here to live. They're consumers like the rest of us. And they actually contribute hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars to local economies. There's both There's both sides. Which one is true? Do the research. You be the judge. I will say this, though. As for is it in our nature? As for is it our duty? There's, a, there's an old saying, an old quote that you might have heard before. And it goes a little something like this. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Where is that written? On the Statue of Liberty. That's right. So, again... Your judgment. Yeah, maybe people don't feel that that saying applies to this country anymore. I happen to feel that we need that that sentiment now more than ever. Now, I'll tell you this. Historically speaking, fear of immigrants in this country, it ain't nothing new, man. We've been scared of immigrants since this country was founded. In the early days of the United States, when the majority of the quote unquote founding fathers and these immigrants that came here from from them most of them they were they were they were were they they were wasp they were white anglo-saxon protestants they were here they were some of the earliest ones to come here and they were also some of the earliest ones to uh display racism and hatred against uh, italians against the irish why because they were catholic and they came in here there was already beef there it started there in the late 19th century, there was there was an economic recession. All right, it was just widely known economy went down, and by all accounts, you start reading up on this. What was the number one cause that the majority of the populace blamed it on? They blamed it on the Chinese. They said that the economic recession was due to the Chinese coming in and taking jobs and draining the economy and yada yada yada. All the same stuff we're hearing right now. To the point where, actually, it's because of that that economic recession and because they blamed it on the Chinese, they wrote that it was the first federal immigration law that burned that excuse me that banned virtually every all all immigrants from China, and it was actually called the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. Look that up as well, banning the Chinese because they're draining the economy. And it wasn't until 1924 that the U.S. actually adopted, now they switched up to a, a quota-based, a, a nationality-based quota system as to how many immigrants can come in from what country. There was a quota. There was a limit to each one. And you know what? It wasn't until 1965. We're, we're not even talking ancient history at this point. 1965, I know it sounds ancient if you're a millennial. It wasn't that long ago. 1965. The Immigration and Nationality Act. It wasn't until then that we finally lifted the restrictions on on Asians migrating to the U.S. 
So from 19, it went all the way starting starting from 1882. Some adjustments made in 1924 didn't really get lifted until 1965. We allowed Asians to migrate back to the U.S. You know what happened, though, is they started capping the number of Latin countries that can send immigrants here. You know, fear of immigrants, it's it's part of American culture as far as I'm concerned. Some would say it's part of the human condition. Going back since the, the dawn of man, people have been scared of people they don't know. Strangers, stranger danger. So this isn't like a new thing. The question now, to really bring this all home, what can you do? Woe is me, Lars. What in the hell can I do about all of these problems? And you know what? Again, I'm not a political scientist. I'm certainly no revolutionary. I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you one thing. I can give you one good, solid piece of advice. Don't forget about them. These kids, these kids are not going anywhere anytime soon. And this situation is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. These 2,300 that are locked up are not with their families. We don't know when they're going to get out. And the ones that are the new ones coming in, they're just going to lock the children up with their parents in a same cage, in a, in a cage someplace else. Great. They're still in a cage. The trauma that's happening to these children is unimaginable. They're not going anywhere. So I'm asking you, please, do one thing for me. Don't forget that they're there. I don't blame you, okay? I'm I'm, give, I'm forgiving you in advance. I don't blame you because we have trouble holding on to stuff like this. Something happens, life goes on, and before you know it, you forget. You're fired up about something, and then, ah, shit, well, Mexico wins another World Cup game, or or Kim Kardashian pulls her chichis out, and everyone's talking about that. Everyone, something happens, and then we forget about what's actually going on. I'm asking you to pay attention. I'm asking you to stay tuned in and don't get distracted. Don't get distracted on the wrong thing, like Melania's stupid jacket that she wore, which is about the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. In case you missed it, she wore it. She went to go visit the children in a detention center, was wearing a jacket that on the back said, I don't care. I don't really care. Do you? Anyway. I don't, I'm, again, I don't want to talk about it because it's so st- stupid, but that's the type of thing. Don't get distracted by that kind of stuff. Focus on what's actually happening and don't forget that these kids are still in there. How about this? Pretend it's your kid. Pretend it's a family member of yours that's locked up right now in jail. Would you rest? Would you stop talking about it or telling people until that kid got out? Probably not. My second request of you is... Pay attention and try to keep track of what local politicians here are doing and what their reaction is to this environment. Now, keep in mind, because we've talked about it a lot on this show, there are two major elections coming up in November, okay? Two congressional elections here in San Diego County, the 49th District and the 50th. As of right now, there are two Republicans leading in both of those races going into it. All right. In the 49th district, we have Miss Diane Harkey. Now, Diane Harkey, oh, I hate to say it, she might be the smart one in this bunch. She hasn't said a lot. They've, they've, you know, people have been asking her what her stance is in regards to the family separation thing, and she's kept her trap shut. She's pretty much said, I think we need to address illegal immigration and close loopholes. 
but she's not, you know, she's not defending the president's actions. She's not condemning his actions. She's just trying to be cool. But if you ask me, in my opinion, if you're not condemning the separation of families and locking up ch kids like that, then 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 you're encouraging it. You know, you're you're involved. You're complicit in in the separation of this. You should be sitting there voicing opposition to something like this, especially as a congressman, not just sitting back and seeing how this stuff pans out. You should be picking a side and attacking it. Now, in the 50th district, another gentleman who's running for election, Mr. Duncan Hunter, another Republican. Duncan Hunter, he jumped all in, man. He quoted, he gave the Trump line. He essentially blamed the Democrats for all of this, said, yeah, we need a, a immigration reform. But he's like, I'm back in the president. This is a country of laws. And if he says separate families, then to hell with it. We're going to separate families. So you have one, Diane Harkey, who doesn't really, let's face it, doesn't have the balls to speak up with it one way or the other. And Duncan Hunter just sold out and said, I'm back in Trump all the way, baby. Both of these people here in San Diego. So I'm asking you this. Will you remember that in November? Is it going to matter to you? Are you going to tell people about this? Are you going to tell your friends? Is this going to hurt you? Or is this going to come to mind? Or are we going to be thinking about Turkey and Thanksgiving and all of that stuff and just totally lose track of this? I'm asking you to stay focused. I'm asking you to keep your eye on the prize and remember how important that these elections are coming up. If this angers you, if this whole episode, if all of this stuff, if it pisses you off like it pisses me off, then just don't forget. Hold on to it. Now, I'm not telling, I would never recommend people hold on to anger. But you know what? This might be one of those situations, man. Hold on to that feeling and remember it and share the what you know with people. Try to get others involved. Try to get others fired up. You know, I want to, I think I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something a little different to end this episode. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to get a little artsy with you to end the show. I don't want to hear any guff. I'm going to get a little artsy with you because you know why? Uh, since, since our Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, took the liberty of, of quoting scripture, there's a little something I, I wanted to dedicate to him, to, to Jeff Sessions. You see, like I said, fear of, fear of immigrants, it's an old problem, man. It's older than the U.S. It goes back to, to the dawn of man. There have been fear of strangers. Mankind has dealt with this before on, on both sides of the arguments, and yet we haven't really changed that much, have we? No matter, no matter how many times we go through this, we haven't really changed. So I wanted to tell you a story and then dedicate something to Jeff Sessions. Uh, several hundred years ago, 1517, in 1517, there was a riot that took place in London, London, England. It was a protest against foreigners they referred to them as strangers back then a protest against foreigners and that protest that riot is now known as ill may day or evil may day immigrants were killed they were attacked they were beaten and a gentleman by the name of sir thomas moore who hopefully some of you have heard of sir thomas moore was a lawyer he was a, a social philosopher he was sort of a Renaissance humanist. He, he was later even cantonized by the Catholic Church. He's now a saint. All right, Thomas More. That's why some of you might know uh, St. Saint, saint Thomas More. Uh, you know, he, he tried to uh, calm the mob down. All right, and this is, this, is histor this is history that this happened. Now, how exactly it transpired, nobody knows. Uh, but uh, it, what happened that day was actually written about by William Shakespeare 
who I, I hope to God you're all familiar with. Now, if you ask me the way William Shakespeare uh, spoke of that day, I, I think his, his words are just as pertinent now as, as they were when he wrote it over 400 years ago. So I would recommend that uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions listen up. In, in Shakespeare's version of the story, the crowd is all riled up. They're rioting and they're screaming out and they're chanting, remove the strangers, remove the strangers, talking about the immigrants. And, and so they're chanting and here comes Sir Thomas More and he tries to appeal to the crowd and he says to them, grant them removed and grant that this your noise hath chid down all the majesty of England. Imagine that you see the wretched strangers, their babies at their backs, with their poor luggage, plodding to the ports and coast for transportation, and you sit as kings in your desires, authority quite silenced by your brawl, and you in rough of your opinions clothed. What had you got? I'll tell you, you had taught how insolence and strong hands should prevail, how order should be quelled, and by this pattern not one of you should live an aged man, for other ruffians, as their fancies wrought, with same self-hand, self-reasons, and self-right, would shark on you. And men like ravenous fishes would feed on one another. Oh, desperate as you are, wash your foul minds with tears, and those same hands that you like rebels lift against the peace, lift up for peace, and your unreverent knees make them your feet to kneel to be forgiven. You'll put down strangers? Kill them? Cut their throats? Possess their houses? And lead the majesty of law in Liam to slip him like a hound? Say now the king, as he is clement if the offender mourn, should so much come short of your great trespass as but to banish you. Whether would you go? What country, by the nature of your error, should give you harbor? Go you to France or Flanders, to any German province, to Spain or Portugal, nay, anywhere that not adheres to England? Why, you must need be strangers. Would you be pleased? To find a nation of such barbarous temper that in breaking out in hideous violence would not afford you an abode on earth, wet their detested knives against your throats, spurn you like dogs, and like as if that God owed not nor made not you, nor that the elements were not appropriate to your comforts, but chartered unto them? What would you think to be thus used? This is the stranger's case. And this, your momtumnish inhumanity. We'll see you next time on Culture Climate.